somebody turned me on to a, a, a video of a salamander and the salamander is called the axolotus and it's a very primitive primitive salamander and i was fascinated to see that with this this organism you could cut off its leg over and over again and it would grow it back identically and this made me start thinking is that actually we're the primitive animals because we can't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how does one ultimately get there? And, and just starting to do that is, is realistically what we're doing with regenerative aesthetics. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Technology of Beauty, where I have the chance to interview the movers and shakers of the aesthetic business. And today is no exception. Our guest today is Mr. Dennis Condon. He's a huge, huge uh, personality in the aesthetic business. I've known him for many, many years. And as you'll probably hear, he takes credit for all of my success. Welcome, Mr. Condon. Thank you, Grant. Glad to be here. And thank you for the opportunity. I look forward to interviewing you. And I want all my my, uh, viewers and watchers to get to know you. So tell us, Dennis, where do you come from? What's your story? Who is Dennis Condon? Wow. Wow. Well, the last 40 years is the, uh, the, the sweet part of the story, I guess. Um, I, I came out of a, a pre-med education and getting into med school was a little tougher than I thought. So I quickly turned to, to the other side of medicine and becoming uh, a salesman in orthopedic medicine. And I spent uh, the next couple of years in the OR doing hips and knees and uh, at all times of day or night, bone plate sets uh, was in San Francisco General and all of the emergency work that was going on there. So it was quite an introduction to that side of the business. Uh, and having done hips and knees 40 years ago, in the last three years, I've had uh, uh, hips at each side of me. So I've, I've come full circle. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I went from orthopedics and I had an opportunity to join a little company after that called Hire Schulte. Uh, one of the original implant companies, one of the original companies that made different uh, medical products out of silicone. Um, that company ultimately turned into Mentor Corporation, which acquired Hire Schulte. Um, I spent the next 17 years at Mentor, where I really got my my business education, my aesthetic education, uh, starting off in uh, commercial as VP sales and marketing. Spent three years doing international, uh, which was was fascinating. You, you took a, a boy who Uh, had never been out of the country and who spent about the next 50% of his time for the next three years traveling all over the world and training and meeting physicians and doing PR work uh, with tremendous opportunity. And that that really got me interested in sort of the global aspect of every business. So I spent 17 years there, ending up the last uh, eight years as the president and CEO of the company. Uh, that was an interesting time, which also had its teachings and its learnings, as you know. Yes. Um, shortly after I took over, we, uh, we ended up with the FDA issues and trying to take implants off the market. That turned into learning things such as lobbying, which uh, you and I learned about. Yes, sir. Uh, spending time with the FDA literally, you know, one week a month almost, it seemed like. Uh, large presentations when at that time, uh, the head of the FDA, Dr. Kessler, appeared to want to see all implants gone. Um, we ended up with a lot, of, a lot of effort, a lot of safety testing, et cetera. We ended up staying in the market as one of the last three companies uh, that were still in the market. Several companies exited and were forced to exit. Uh, partly the lawsuits, we went through millions and millions of dollars of lawsuits. So my, my entire career, even up to that point, was 
full of learning on the job. Uh, things which some of the things which I uh, I never had to do again, such as fighting the uh, the class action lawsuits. But uh, much of it was was really really a good experience. Uh, from there, I, I wanted to become more entrepreneurial. I felt as though I had learned all the aspects of the the P and L and the different aspects of the business. I had an opportunity again, as you know, to uh, to do a startup, and that startup was to in 1998 to roll up plastic surgery practices and create a larger business out of these practices. Almost all of these were primarily single physician practices. Um, And so the idea was that we would bring our business expertise, our marketing, uh, our administrative capabilities, and really do the sort of back office efficiencies for the practices while the physicians spent more time doing what they love, surgery. Um, We did that for four years. Uh, it was a challenge, a much bigger challenge than we expected. We ultimately sold off um, part of the company to private equity, and I moved on to another company. Um, at that time, I took over a CEO job for Reliant, which was a laser company. It was actually uh, the Fraxel laser, which was the first really sort of pixelated type, uh, type laser to, in the marketplace. It was also the second of all of the capital equipment companies to have what I call an annuity component to it. For instance, once you sold the laser, there was still over and over again, you would buy different components for it to do the procedures. Um, This this was uh, Thermage and Fraxel were really the only two companies doing it, but it was a unique and changed changed the laser industry because before that, it was pretty much sell a laser and move on until you come back three or four years later when maybe that laser had been outdated. Um, so this became a, a, a closer relationship with the physicians, and it was a better, obviously, a better business model for the companies as well. Uh, spent uh, four years doing that, uh, then had an opportunity to go into an injectable company. And I went into Bioform Medical, which had a very unique uh, type of injectable. It was different in that it was longer lasting than the typical HAs that were on the market. I spent about four years there uh, with, uh, as president and chief business officer. We were then acquired by MERS, which was really the first venture into the U.S. by MERS Corporation out of Germany. MERS had established, uh, they had one of three toxins on the market in Germany. They had established themselves as an aesthetic company primarily in, uh, in Europe. And making the acquisition of Bioform gave them a platform in the U.S. Um, and when they did that, I took over as as CEO of the, uh, the Ascetic Group for, for MERS. Uh, tr- tremendous opportunity there. I, I, once again, I spent the next three years after that acquisition, I was on the road 200,000 miles a year doing all the integration between MERS and Bioform in Europe, Latin America, Asia, and the US. So uh, while it was a tremendous opportunity to be acquired by them, uh, that was one of the more enjoyable times that I had when I was learning how to put businesses together and every every theater uh, had a different priority, a different way of going about it. So once again, I was back learning different business skills and marketing skills um, to, to reach those different markets, which were all very different. So that was absolutely fascinating. I did that for, I stayed with MERS for three years, uh, thought I would retire uh, when I was called by a venture company who asked me if I would uh, do a small task. And I said, well, what's that? They said, we have a we have a wound dressing technology and we'd like you to turn it into skincare. Uh, so I said, well, I'm always up for a challenge. 
Uh, and it was, it was a fascinating technology, a way of penetrating the skin. It was, it was primarily for wound dressing. We took it over, but we had the opportunity to turn that into a skincare, uh, went retail with it and ended up uh, after three years selling that to a Korean pharma company. So I really thought I was going to retire then. Uh-huh. Uh, however, that began my board career. Yeah. <laughs> and that's sort of the, the third phase of life, let's call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where I exist today. I sit on on uh, two different boards today, uh, and I'm an advisor to two different companies, and it's terrific. I, I have an opportunity to be more strategic. I have an opportunity to share mistakes I made with leaders today to help them avoid making those mistakes. And then realistically, when it terms comes to excitement and how I stay really interested in the business is that I have become a regenerative aesthetics zealot. Um, this is, keep in mind, I, I, I ran a company in injectables. I ran a company in implants. I ran a company in lasers. And I ran a company in skincare. And those are kind of the four pillars of the aesthetic marketplace. Uh, regenerative aesthetics to me was new. It was emerging. And even more important, it actually impacts or, forgive me, augments all four other verticals. So different aspects of regenerative aesthetics, whether it's platelet-rich plasma, or whether it's stromal vascular fraction, or whether it's mesenchymal, or excuse me, whether it's fat-derived stem cells, those are all can be used in some conjunction with to improve different treatments in the four other fields of aesthetic surgery. So that's where I am today, and that's where um, I probably never will retire because I'm excited about this field. I'm seeing success. We're validating it, which is a fun part of, of you know, of a marketplace is when you're actually out validating, doing the studies, having success, um, and seeing a future that's 10, 15 years down the road. Mm-hmm. What exactly is regenerative medicine for those uh, listeners who haven't heard that term before? Yeah, it, it really, uh, you know, people will talk about stem cells, and, and stem cells are, are kind of like the seed of life, right? I mean, that's really how we all start. We all start off as cells, uh, and we morph into different components of our body, our system, etc. In regenerative aesthetics, we take stem cells, which can be turned into uh, into fat, into skin, etc., and we we treat those with either part of our blood, which is a platelet-rich plasma, which can has growth factors and actually helps feed the stem cells. We have stromal vascular fraction, which is a filtered part of, of the fat that is almost the soup of life. It has all the different components in it uh, to help these uh, stem cells morph into the right component. Um, it was interesting. I had a uh, somebody turned me on to a, a, a video of a salamander, and the salamander is called the axolotus. And it's a very primitive, primitive salamander. And I was fascinated to see that with this, this organism, you could cut off its leg over and over again, and it would grow it back identically. And this made me start thinking is that actually we're the primitive animals because we can't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how does one ultimately get there? And, and just starting to do that is, is realistically what we're doing with regenerative aesthetics. We're injecting fat into wrinkles and, and actually it's instead of shrinking away, it's actually growing. We're treating alopecia with PRP and seeing hair grow again. Um, these are all like just remarkable treatments that are done with your own, your own physiology, your own body. Um, so it has that, that wonderful natural aspect of it. And at the same time, we're starting to see some really fascinating results with it. 
So tell me, is there a company that you actually are running that's doing this? You mentioned two board positions and two uh, positions of that you're advising companies. Are you running a company in regenerative no, aesthetics? No, no. It was interesting. How I got interested is, is my, my first board seat after I retired was with a company called Establishment Labs. Establishment Labs is the first Costa Rican public company. It is the first Costa Rica, or excuse me, first aesthetic company out of Costa Rica. Uh, they have a very unique technology. This is kind of where I started life, right? In, in breast implants and tissue expanders. Um, so I sat on the board there. And what I learned is they were also bringing in a company called PureGraft. And PureGraft was a way of filtering fat so that it actually could be used for breast augmentation. It could be used to cover breast implants for a little smoother uh, treatment to the implant. And um, they, they, they were really could do breast reconstruction with it. And in the case of many women who you know, have, have need breast reconstruction, sometimes the thought of a foreign body, another foreign body in them isn't ideal. And so to provide them a way to use their own fat to re-augment their, um, their breast has been a fascinating uh, field. And so I became quite interested in that whole aspect through my board position with Establishment Labs. Establishment Labs, again, like because it was a field, a, a product line that I started my career, I have a, you know, a special enjoyment being on that board. Um, I, at the time, I, I was also on the board of Cineva, which was a uh, injectable company for uh, dermal filler. But again, the dermal filler was a, uh, a foreign substance, if you will. And so I began to work with PureGraph, the, the team there, and we started to develop products for using your own fat, filter, filtering it, and re-injecting it. And we started to get good studies done. Uh, we see longevity with the natural re-augmentation of the fat. We see longevity uh, validated at between 17 and 18 months and anecdotally two to three years. So again, that whole theme of kind of using your own, your own tissues, your own fat, et cetera, to do the kinds of things in aesthetic surgery and aesthetic uh, treatments that I've been involved with my whole career is perfect place for me to be because I, I get to, to have all of that other experience in the four verticals previously in aesthetics and now a brand new emerging exciting arena which you can apply to all those other verticals and so it, it's ideal for me just it totally like it so are you still on the board of Suniva? I am I'm actually chairman of the board <laughs> um, and we we uh, when I first arrived there we had a single product uh, the, the, the Bella fill, which was the, the five-year filler. It's the only filler on the marketplace that's been approved for five-year efficacy. Um, but a single product company, which I've been involved with before, is one of the, the greater challenges for a CEO or, or a team. Mm -hmm. um, and so I realized we needed to augment our portfolio. Uh, having worked with PureGraft and, and through Establishment Labs, I was able to approach them and begin to develop products for facial aesthetics. Um, and so that's where, that's where Sediva has focused now. We started three years ago with a single dermal filler. Today we have a PRP product. We have Dermapose, a brand new product, which is a single syringe for extracting, processing, and re-injecting fat and wrinkles. Um, so that's an exciting product. We just brought on a plasma pen for skin regeneration. Mm -hmm. um, and we actually have... We now have seven products in the portfolio uh, two years later, and 
what we've done is we've focused around the face uh, as opposed to the body. And we have focused on regenerative technologies. So in, in many ways, we get to be much more unique. We're not just another filler and toxin company or another implant company. We actually have a portfolio that somewhat lies outside of, of these other technologies and is more focused in the face than the rest of the body. So that's really our sweet spot. And that's how, how we, we would like to be recognized and how we would like to build a company. And is this a privately held company or publicly traded? This one is private. This one is private. My establishment labs company, um, as I mentioned, was the first uh, Costa Rica company ever to go public on NASDAQ. Uh, we went public a year and a half ago. We went, we went public. Well, we, we priced at 16. Um, we opened up the next day on NASDAQ at 22. And, uh, and the company has continued to do well. Excellent. Now, is Ceneva also outside of the United States or is it primarily U.S.? It is interesting. We, we, it has been much more focused in the U.S. We do have, uh, we just took, took on uh, a team in Canada. We're in Mexico. We're, um, we're about to be approved in China. So we do have some international or OUS markets that we're in, but we are, we have been far more focused in the U.S. However, the partners we've taken on, one of the partners we've taken on that we just started selling the silhouette threads. We took on a five-year agreement with uh, a company called Sinclair, which is was bought last year by a Chinese company called Wadong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so through that partnership, we're gaining uh, you know some really good insight and opportunities into the Asian marketplace as well as um, as well as Europe because Sinclair was actually based in Europe. Sinclair has a dermal filler that's in, uh, I believe, 40 countries, an HA dermal filler. Um, Wadong has a, a number of different products in the aesthetic marketplace throughout Asia. So that partnership is looking really good. Uh, we also took on, as I mentioned, the plasma pen. The plasma pen is produced uh, by and sold by, in many other countries, um, a company called um, Nuvia, which is out of Poland. Um, and they are very strong in, in the sort of the Eastern Bloc and uh, throughout Europe. And so that's a great partnership. So in a way, our global expansion will probably occur more through partners than through direct operations. Interesting. So tell me, we're all living in this uh, COVID environment, and that's why you and I are talking to each other on Zoom and doing this podcast through the Zoom. Uh, how has COVID affected you and how has COVID affected Suniva? Yeah, it's um, for me, it's the first time in 40 years I haven't traveled in four months, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which which seems very bizarre. Yes. Uh, but in reality, uh, it's funny. We have we we I think we've in a way been more efficient. I mean, the the most of the leaders in the company are, are not traveling. And so that travel time is more focused on operations and strategy and putting together plans. Um, so it has been helpful. One of the things which was, was fascinating is two months ago, we held a complete national sales meeting on Zoom. Being uh, an old guy, I, I never thought it was going to be possible. But once again, if you really look at the upside of it, first of all, we normally would have spent three to $400,000 on a national sales meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing cost us around 50000 It was efficient. It was interesting point. Every single rep was paying total attention because they were on camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yes. 
we're, <laughs> we were able to bring in, you know, key opinion leading physicians more easily because rather than having to take up a day of travel, a day of presentation and a day of travel to come to a meeting, they're able to come on Zoom. Uh, it was spectacular. I mean, it, it was, it really made lemonade out of lemons. I'll tell you, it was a great, great day, great week. Do you think you're going to continue that approach to your national sales meetings? There's every reason to think so. Every reason to think so. You know, and that, and that sort of also has carried over into the field a bit. Now, most of our products, we very much like to do a nurse training with uh, two or three times before we, we sort of let them go with just the salespeople. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been challenging with, with COVID. Um, but again, a lot of these trainings between the rep being there on site and the nurse uh, on Zoom, and that we've been able to do a lot of these trainings on Zoom. So even that has made us more efficient. Whereas in the past, it might take a, a whole day to do one training. We're actually able to do two or three trainings in a day. And so that has been more efficient. So if I look at all of this and I look at it specifically for companies like, you know, like Establishment Labs, like Ceneva, um, those kinds of companies, the physicians are really interested in what I'll call quick ROI treatments, as opposed to buying today, buying a $200,000 laser. Um, it's much better for running the entire business under these circumstances with injectables and, you know, quick laser, quick laser treatments and things that you don't have to go out and spend that kind of money on a wait a year for the return. And so that has been another positive for the kinds of products that we have. So that market has, has really shifted. Um, it's been difficult for the physicians. As you know, we, we have seen a number of physicians because of the the slower throughput, they can't have 10 people in the office waiting. They have to sort of space them differently. Um, it's been a challenge. And we see a number of physicians working, uh, you know, evenings or even weekends uh, to try and get the throughput they would have gotten in a normal work schedule. Mm-hmm. We're certainly experiencing that in my offices. So tell me, if you had a crystal ball, I think you do have a crystal ball, and giving all of your experiences across this entire aesthetic industry and, and all the buckets that you've literally managed, um, what do you see in the future for aesthetics? One year, five year, 10 years? Is it a bright future? What do you see changing? What's going to be coming down the pike? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, there's, there's always a bright future in, in my mind. There's always things just, just as with COVID, when COVID happened, when it started, I thought, oh, you know, crap, <laughs> mm-hmm. we're, we're in trouble. Um, as I've just delineated, there's been a number of positives that have come out of it. When I look forward, um, I do think that the typical role of the um, medical salesperson will change. I think that because the physicians are going to have less time in the office to see them, um, that they will do more Zoom calls. Um, I think what's interesting is I think the whole Zoom, Microsoft Teams, et cetera, that whole technology um, has been really, you know, so well organized and, and so successful that just at the time when COVID hit, everybody's able to take advantage of it. And so in some ways we may see the, the process of, of medical sales may be more efficient. Um, so that's one upside of it. Uh, the other is, you know, these, the whole new technologies that are coming, uh, like in every other aspect of life, uh, new technology is improving life, new technology is improving products. 
uh, new technology is improving products in the aesthetic world. And, um, you know, I, like I said before, I've become an excited zealot because of that. I, I, for somebody who, you know, could have retired three years ago and felt very comfortable that I'd sort of done, quote, done it all in, in aesthetics, right? Right. Uh, here's, here's a field of aesthetics that it might take me another five or 10 years to be able to feel comfortable that I've done it all. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think it will expand. I think that, um, you know, I see it, I see it in the orthopedic world where regenerative technologies are actually ahead of where they are in the aesthetic world. And we have people who are injecting uh, PRP into joints and dr- injecting stromal vascular fraction into joints. And people are saving a lot of these joints uh, from having to do implants. So that, that to me is fascinating. And I do think given the variety of applications for regenerative aesthetics that we will see that field become bigger. We will see it get validated and become, have greater efficacy. Uh, today, there's a, it's a lot of um, sort of anecdotal. Uh, one of the things that Sadiva is doing is doing a, a lot of investigator initiated trials to try and get good, um, you know, controlled data so that we know how, how these things all go together in some combination of PRP and stromovascular fraction and stem cells in the right combination is going to have a better efficacy. Um, and that's, that's where, where I think we are today. We're sort of at the beginning of validating uh, outcomes and, uh, and treatments. So that's, that's an exciting place to be. I couldn't agree with you more. And thus the technology of beauty. It's very exciting go. time. Uh, it's a great time to be alive, and I agree with everything you've said. And you know we could have this talk. It could last for hours, but I'm going to have to thank you for being our guest. I sure appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule and uh, joining us here. Uh, thank well, thank you once again, Dennis. Thank you for you know, sort of being out there and, and letting people know what goes on in our business from all different sides of it. It's interesting. It's, uh, you know, it's innovative. And uh, somebody's got to tell the story. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you all very much for joining us on the Technology of Beauty, where we get to interview the movers and shakers of the aesthetic industry. See us uh, every other Tuesday. We'll see you two weeks from today. Bye-bye.